do the things the way he has lined up and ordained them to be done. Listen, authority is a beautiful thing, okay? So right now, in Jesus' name, we just loose the understanding of this message today into the people's minds, into their hearts, to their spirits today. Father, in, if for anybody that's here this morning, Lord, that has a spirit of rebellion, Father, we bind up the spirit of rebellion, and we just loose uh, uh, that, that there's a, a teachable spirit today and, and a, a meekness in them, Lord, to receive what you have for them to receive. Because rebellion is a bad thing. And a lot of people, you know, uh, even as, as children, we almost, we almost imply that it's going to take place in our kids' lives. And we speak it. Oh, they're just sowing their wild oats. No, what they're doing is rebelling. And we teach them that it's okay to rebel. But it's not okay to rebel. If you're a child here or a young person today, this sermon's going to be for, for you. If you're, a, if you're a mom and dad, this sermon's going to be for you. If you're in the church, which you are in the church, this sermon is for you and it's for me. Because we all need to understand Authority. So when it starts out at the top, it starts out with Jesus, of course. So if you look at John chapter 17, a couple of verses there before we begin. And if you can take notes, I would love for you to take notes today. I think it's one of those messages where you need to kind of go back and, and check it out because I'm trying to, I'm packing a lot in a little time. Uh, John, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him, he's speaking in a third person perspective, but he's talking about himself. As you have given him authority, say authority. Authority Authority and and power go hand in hand. Authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. In other words, Jesus has the authority to give eternal life to you and me. The way I read the word is he's the only one that has that authority to give eternal life. God has granted him that authority to give eternal life. So that means his name is powerful that he is powerful, that we need to listen to what he says, and we need to submit to what Jesus says in his word. So today, as we study authority, we're going to go back to Acts chapter 3. I want us to see how it works in relationship to us to be in a church of action. Because if we're going to be a church of action, like I said earlier, we've got to understand this thing called authority. Uh, go to Acts chapter 3. We read the first two. We read Acts chapter 2. We stated in it last week, talked about how the church needs to be together. We need to submit to one another, and that's what this is about. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's about three in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms or money from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. Okay, I want you to understand there's authority there, even in his voice, even in what he said at that moment. Look at us. He fixed his eyes on that man. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. What do you think he was expecting to receive? Money. Then Peter said, sorry, (laughs) silver and gold I do not have. Sam, we don't have any money. Like he turned his pockets out. We don't have any money. But what I do have, say what I do have. You can say that with a smile, what I do have. What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, say in the name. Okay. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and the ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping, stood up and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate at the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Now, I want you to understand that the word authority is not in there, but this is all about authority. He was operating under his God-given authority. That's why he said, what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Jesus had passed this man many times more than likely. Because the gate beautiful was a place right by the temple. Jesus passed there all the time. See, there was a a God-ordained moment for them to understand that their authority was to be ignited then. It was ignited on the the day of Pentecost. And listen, it it kept burning. And so when God ignites the authority in you, it's for us to do something that brings... Listen, it says they were filled with wonder and amazement. And when's the last time people said, man, I've just just seen God move and I'm just so full of awe. I'm so full of amazement. That's what should be on our lips all the time because God is a God of amazement and wonder and awe. But if we miss authority, we'll miss all these other things that go along with authority. When we miss 
submitting to Jesus Christ and doing things his way, and we try to do them our way, we will miss the wonder and the awe and the amazement. We will. The word authority, even just in the New Testament alone, in the New King James Version, is mentioned 68 times. So God had a lot to say about authority. We need to understand authority in the church today. We need to understand authority in our families today. You need to understand authority in the government and in your workplace. We need to understand authority and not just understand it, but live by it. What the Bible teaches about authority. Now, listen. They didn't walk by these guys that day and go, uh, John, what do you think? I don't know if we should. I, I don't have any money. What do you what do you think? Well, I don't know. Uh, Peter, he might have been a really bad person. He might be he might be lame on purpose. We need to leave that guy alone. They didn't start the, trying to theorize and and try to justify and figure out. Listen, they knew the authority that they had. I love that that confidence and that authority. Jesus said for us that we're supposed to lay hands on people and they'll recover. Mark 16, 17, 18 says, and these signs will follow. I read this last week. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. Say in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Listen, we have authority in the name of Jesus. Remember, they were asking Jesus, well, who, who's he casting out demons by? Well, who's authority? And people had the audacity to think he was casting out demons by Satan or by Beelzebub, which is really a, a, a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, you got to be kidding me. He, he gave us this, the same authority that he had. He gave, he gave it to us. And he said, we're operating this authority under the veil, under the covering, under the umbrella, under, un, under the submission in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus, and it's in the name that we do these things. You can't do it in your name. You don't do it in anybody else's name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we get misguided, and we start thinking it's about us and not about him, and we get in trouble, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The first thing I want you to see, then, that there's authority. The basis for our authority is the name of Jesus. The second thing I want you to see is there's Authority equals confidence and humility. We already talked about that a little bit, but I want to show you a little bit more about this confidence that they acted in, but also in how it worked so well with humility. See, some people think uh, confidence and humility are a direct opposites, but they're not. And in the Word of God, they work together. You know, you'll see guys, they'll interview these guys, these sports heroes, and they say, oh, man, I, I just, I'm full of confidence. I'm gonna, we're going to win the game, no doubt about it. And they're, they're cocky. They're confident, but they're not. Their confident is, confidence is based on their flesh and not upon Christ. So there's a misguided confidence, but humility and confidence work hand in hand. I want to show you that. Verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. Listen, they were, this lame man was going, he said, these guys, I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to hang on to them because they, they healed me. <laughs> All the people ran together to them on the porch, which is called Solomon's. They were greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or our own godliness, we have made this lame man walk? In other words, they were really quick to say, listen, it wasn't us. That's humility. It's very much humility. They were, they were quick to say, don't, 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 don't grab hold of us because we don't have the power to do that. We are not the godliest people in the world. See, if you're going out there and you're thinking because you're all this godly stuff and you're all, you, all, you possess all this power and you're, you're separating it from the power of God and you're separating it from submission to God, then you're going to be walking and you're going to be operating against the authority of God. And there are always consequences when you do that, and they're not good consequences. I promise you that. So they were recognizing, Peter and John were recognizing immediately, listen, you've got to understand this is not about us, it's about him. It's not about us. We're just being we're just being obedient. Do we have confidence? Yes, we have confidence because we know Jesus. Listen to the rest of this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. In other words, he's preaching the same message he preached on the day of Pentecost. You killed Jesus. But you denied the Holy One and the, and the just and asked for a murder. That was Barabbas. To be granted to you and kill the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. He says, we know him. We are with him. We know that he rose from the dead. And his name, say his name. And his name through faith in his name, say his name. Has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him 
has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. They were quick to say it's about Jesus. It's not about us. Listen, if you've got a healing ministry, that's awesome. If you've got an evangelistic ministry, that's awesome. But if Jesus is left out of the equation, that's awful. He has got to have supreme authority in your ministry, whatever that ministry is that he has given you. Authority equals faith. Turn to Matthew 8. And there's so much, there's so many teachings on authority. It's, it's just awesome. Go, man, if, if, you're a, if you like to dig into the Bible, which I hope all of you do, dig into the Bible. Find out about authority. Because it's, it's all through the word. And we can't, we're just going to be barely touch on it today. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, we got to go there to Capernaum. That was so cool that we got to go to Capernaum. And a centurion came to him, came to Jesus, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Man, that's humility, isn't it? I'm not worthy you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to them, this one go and he goes to another come and he comes into my servant. Do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. What was the great faith? He said, I'm a man of authority, and I know you've got authority, Jesus. You have the authority to heal him. And all you've got to do is send the word. Did you know that you have the authority to send the word of healing? Oh, wow. That's awesome. Do you know that you have the authority to send the word of healing? You do. When you pray for somebody, you don't just, oh, God, I hope you show up. I know it's a long way from here to Kentucky. I don't know if you can make it there. No. You send the word. Say, I'm not there, but God, you're there. And by the authority in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I send the word of healing to that person and wherever they're at. And God can touch them right where they're at. I've experienced it. Many of you have experienced it. I've even had somebody confirm it one time. Did you send a word of healing yesterday to so-and-so in such and such place? I said, yes, my wife and I. And I just felt compelled to say, send the word. I don't always say send the word, but I said, I send the word. And the word got to that person. And by the authority, by the name of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus, that person was healed. Listen, that's how God operates. If we will get in line and get under his authority, things will happen that advance the kingdom of God in power. But we've got to understand. We've got to submit. Nobody likes to submit. I just don't want to submit. I like to be in control. Oh, wow. Today, we we honor the memory of soldiers. But listen, soldiers, more than anybody's, understand authority they understand the rank they understand listen there is a there are colonels and there are everybody else down to the privates there's there's a succession but there's always there's a commander and there's all these people and they have levels of authority and the one salutes the other and the other salutes the other i mean they know what to do they know what not to cross they know what boundaries to stay under because they know about authority listen when there when there's not authority in place and you're not submitting to authority you know what there is there's chaos I don't want, how many of you would want to go into battle with a bunch of people saying, man, I don't believe my commander. I'm not going to do what he says. You're going to go into battle with him. I wouldn't because you're going to get shot. You're going to get killed. So many people want to go out and do it on their own. Hmm. Authority and power. This is this intrigued me. Without authority, chaos ensues. Authority can be misused, usurped, defied, undermined, and when abused in those ways causes destruction. It happens. People get out of line. Disciples got out of line. I want to show you something. It's really cool. Luke chapter 9. 1 and 2. Then Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Say power and authority. Kind of like the same thing. Gave them power and authority. Over all demons, not just a few, and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, this was a, I would call a special dispensation of the Holy Spirit. That's just what I would call it. Uh, but he, he gave them the power and authority at this time to go out and do some things to advance the kingdom, to set the, set the table, so to speak, for what was going to take place later on. 
But he gave them this power and authority, and they're going out, and, man, they're praying for people. Demon come out. You sick? What's wrong with you? Oh, man, I've got a growth. I've got leprosy. Oh, leprosy gone. Man, they were just going through the villages. And, but look at verse 6. I can find it. So they departed, went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They're preaching the good news. Jesus loves you. The, the Messiah has come. Man, you just need to come follow Jesus Christ. Good news. In the name of Jesus, you're healed. In the name of Jesus, demons come out. Man, they were excited about what God had given them, what he had empowered them to do. And they were submitting to authority in a beautiful way when they were seeing great things happen. But if you'll look down in the same chapter, way down to chapter to verse 52, you will see a change. I see Christians all the time. They get on the right track. They're doing the right things. All of a sudden, there's a change. Look at it. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans. That was, those are half-breeds, so to speak. Jews and Gentiles mixed, and the Jews did not like to mix with the Gentiles, I mean with the Samaritans. They entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Oh, they didn't like Jesus. They didn't want Jesus coming. The disciples thought they would do something about that. You know, they, they, they were healing people and preaching the good news, but here's what they did in verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Isn't that a loving ministry? They went from a healing ministry to a killing ministry. In just one fell swoop, because their feelings got out of whack. But all of a sudden, they weren't loving. They didn't want to heal anybody. Let's call down fire. We want to be like Elijah. We got this power. And we've seen the power. We've had this power. People getting up out of the sick bed. We've seen people healed of leprosy. We, we've seen people, all the demons are running. And, and what we got this power and we got this authority. Let's call down fire like Elijah. It would be so cool to see people go. Crispy critters everywhere in the name of Jesus. Really? How quick? Now listen to what Jesus said. But he turned and rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Spirit. Spirit got, kind of jumped on them, didn't it? It was not a spirit of love. It was a spirit, I would say, of pride. It could have been another spirit. It could have been a demonic spirit. But it looked like to me it was a spirit of arrogance jumped on them. A haughty spirit said, hey, let's just call down fire like Elijah. Who's Elijah anyway? We're better than him. And Jesus rebuked them and said, man, what kind of spirit are you of? You don't even know the spirit that's operating in you. For the Son of Man, listen, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You see, sometimes we, we get out from under the authority and the love of Christ, and we were the zabow, zabow, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And we start, be, we start throwing the lightning bolts at people, and we forget about the loving ministry that God's called us to. We've forgotten about the healing ministry God's called us to. Of course, we can make we can we can talk about James and John all the day all day long, but usually it's Harold and whoever else. We get we're guilty of some of these things, church. Remember what I said last week about that quote from Bill Johnson? The church has become known for what they don't like more than what they believe in. That's that's not the church. It's not the true church. It's not the heart of Christ. He says he came, he didn't come to destroy people, he came to save people. That's why it's called the good news. Okay? And when I talk about authority being given and misused, we see it all around us in our government, government forces, government entities, but we see it also in the church. We see it in homes. When authority gets out of control, when authority is not under the control of Jesus Christ, then there is disruption, there's chaos, there's disorder, and bad things happen. We don't like to submit to authority. I don't care what you want to admit it or not. Most of us don't like to submit to authority. We like to, we like to rebel. I'll, I'll give you a case in point for me, Pastor Harold. A few years ago, I get a call, I need to go to the hospital and make a visit. Pastor Harold's going to make a visit to the hospital. Going down Bryant Boulevard. Catch that light at Concho. I usually go on all the way to, to Beauregard so I can get to Shannon. But the light caught me. Huh? Man, you know, hey, you know, 
Anybody like to kind of time the lights and you go, how did they get out of sync? You know, (laughs) who sinks those lights anyway? So I stopped right. I started in the right hand lane. I'm legal. I'm in the right hand lane. It's not anybody around. Lights red. And I come to a complete stop. You know, the rolling stops, they love to get you at the rolling stops. Anybody ever gets a ticket for a rolling through a stop sign? Yeah. You think it's okay. It's not. So I stopped and came to a complete stop and turned right on red. And I'm going down the street and I'm on Concho and get down to about right over here. Cop, lady cop pulls me over. I'm <laughs> thinking, she's after somebody. Surely isn't me. I'm a pastor. I'm going to the hospital. <laughs> Certainly have wooden speeding. My car wouldn't even go fast enough to speed. And it's an old jalopy. But I thank God for it. It was during that time. She pulls me over and she said, can I see your license? Can I see your insurance? You know, they're going through the whole deal. And I said, sure, sure, sure. I said, ma'am, what did you pull me over for? She said, well, you didn't turn, you didn't put your blinker on when you turned right. I said, you, and I really, I did this. I said, are you serious? That didn't go well with her. (laughs) And I was, I was serious. I I was, (laughs) I said, are you serious? I said, well. I was the only car on the street besides you and me. You were behind me. I said, there was nobody, and I, I stopped. That She said, yes, you did, but you didn't turn your blinker on. She said, that's against the law. Again, are you serious? <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure she's going to give me a warning. That's not a big deal, right? Well, I think are you serious got me a ticket. <laughs> and she wrote me a ticket. And I was so ticked. I, I was so Upset with the authority that, that pulled me over and said, I got to pay. And the fine was $158. See? <laughs> unfair, unfair. So a friend of mine, he's gotten out of a lot of tickets. He said, I can tell you how to get, that ticket, get out of that ticket. I said, how? He said, you asked for a jury trial. Then they have to call the police person in, and they have to validate that they were there. And usually they don't show up, and so the the judge will dismiss the case, and you won't have to pay. I said, cool, awesome. Not cool. Not awesome. Because God said, Harold, what are you doing? You tell people all the time about submitting to authority from the pulpit. You're not going to submit? Well, Lord, it wasn't fair. You're not going to submit? Well, little Lord, I, I can't. Wait, Lord, you're not going to submit? This is, it was so tough. Man, it was like a, you know, shout match, me and God. God won. <laughs> he always wins. <laughs> it's not a fair fight, guys. And I went and paid the fine. It hurt to write it, but it felt great. You know what I'm talking about? Because God said, Harold, you need to learn to submit. You know, every time you speed, every time you run a red light, every time, you know what you're doing? You're, you're abusing, you're, you're, you're rebelling against authority. I know guys don't like to hear that especially. They think they've got a right to drive 90 and an 85 or 80. You don't. You're rebelling against authority. The Bible says obey the laws of the land, and that wasn't even, I didn't even mention that in the first service, so there you go. That's a freebie. And that's the one that guys go, man, I wish you would have just shut up before we got to that place. There's nobody else on the highway. And that's, yeah, okay. God has a way of getting you. Authority in the home. There's three things that God brought and showed me in these scriptures, a couple of scriptures, submission, obedience, and honor in the home. And probably this is where more authority is learned. And rebelled against than anywhere else. But if it doesn't get, if you don't get it right in the home, you're not going to get it right in the in the world. If you don't get it right in the home, you're not going to get it right in the world. So when I, I'm talking to parents here, I'm talking to kids here. Ephesians five twenty two, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Any husbands and wives here this morning? Okay, husbands, turn to your wife and read that screw that verse I just read. Come on, Randy. Tell it to Shoshana. Boy, that hurt, didn't it? Women say, I wasn't in for that one. 
Guess what? It's all in your favor. Because you've got to read the rest of it. Well, maybe not the next verse. For the husband is the head of the wife. As also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, say therefore. therefore. You know why he's, when he puts therefore, you have to read what it's there for. Okay? Just as the church is subject to the Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Everything. Got to read this in context, though. Because the next verse is the one that husbands usually don't quote. This is the one the wives quote. So the wives can look to your husbands and say, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Come on, wives. Say that to your husbands. You you can put his name in place of husbands. Love me. You see how it works? The authority, if it's authority that's a, a loveless authority, it's not going to be an authority at all. We, you're to submit to your husbands because they've submitted to Christ. And when they've done that, you've got a beautiful picture of the home life and how it should be and how the order is established in the home. I tell people in, in counseling all the time, I say, okay, I've got, a, I've got, two, I've got a, a man and a woman here. They want to get married. And I talk to them about this thing called authority. And, and I say, Who, who's going to make the decisions in your family if you want to do this or that or this or that? And usually they'll say, well, my wife's going to make those decisions or my husband's going to make that decision. And I said, you know what? You should always make decisions together, especially big decisions. You should always make them together. And you should always agree on them. And they look at me like I've got two heads. Well, I'm not going to, you know, uh-uh, wait. Because if you are in concert, if you are in submission to Christ... He's not going to tell one of you one thing and one of you another thing. He's not schizophrenic. Right? So you've got to figure out who's listening to God and who isn't. So when God speaks, if you've got a decision, let's say you're, going to have to, you're, you're looking for a house to buy. And the husband says, this is the house. And the wife says, no, that's the house. Because usually that's the flesh. And you have to say, okay, let's pray about this. Let's hear from God about this. And God's not going to tell you that house and that house. He's going to tell you one house. It might not be either one of those. So you've got to listen to him because if you're really listening to him, there's going to be unity in, the church, in, your, in your family. You're going to do things and they're always, man, it's always going to be beautiful. It's always going to work out. But, say but, if you happen to disagree, you both prayed, you both sought the Lord, and you still have not come to a decision that is equally the same, then the wife submits to the husband. Wives? Amen. You know why? Because you love them and you trust them. That's why. You submit to them. God honors when you submit to, your, in, to authority. He has an order to it. Listen, God didn't say in the Bible that uh, husbands, I mean, wives submit to your husbands because they're smarter than you. He didn't say that. Because most husbands aren't smarter than their wives. <laughs> it's amazing that I could get dressed today. My wife's out of town. I mean, somebody said, did you pick out your own clothes? I said, I always pick out my own clothes. <laughs> then my wife says, you're not going to wear that, are you? <laughs> and we have, guys, can I get a witness? Are you wearing that to church? I like Jeff Foxworthy. He's putting on his clothes to go fishing. His wife says, you're not going to wear that to go fishing. Oh, no, baby, this is what I'm wearing until I figure out what I'm supposed to wear to go fishing, you know? <laughs> but this, this, this authority thing, this submission thing is, is a beautiful thing when it's wrapped up in love and when it's wrapped up in Jesus. And for the same thing for children, it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Respect your father and mother. Even when you think that they're dumb as dirt. Because I know a lot of you graduates, you think your parents are just dumb. Oh, my parents don't know anything. I don't know how I feel. They don't know, they don't know what I'm going through. They went through all of that stuff. And then some. They do know. It's hard to believe that your parents were young once. I know. I actually was a baby at one time. It's amazing. Obey your parents. Listen, we talked about obedience last week. That's freedom. If you want to walk in freedom, obey, obey your parents, children. 
For this is right. Honor your father, respect your father, mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you. You may live along on this earth. Listen, that's the first that's the first promise. I mean, the first commandment with promise. Obey your mom, you obey your dad, honor your parents, even if they you think they don't know what they're talking about, even if you think that they're unfair, even if you think that they're not going to give you the keys to the car when you think you deserve the keys to the car. Listen to your parents and obey them and trust your parents. Now, listen, I'm going to just a little exception to the rule is we never submit to authority when authority says for us to sin. I don't care who it is in what realm you're talking about. You never have to submit to authority when it's something that goes against God's law, against God's plan. And that's why we have scripture in context. Obey God rather than men. Okay, just a side note for you. So you can quit elbowing each other now. And finally, I want to talk about authority in the church equals unity. It really does. God has designed the church in a a governmental form. You know why some people go from church body to church body? They don't like authority. They go from one church to the next church. And listen, if this offends you, then just repent, okay? But if you've gone, if you call, listen, this is, this is so important. I'm serious. You need to deal with this issue today. If you go from one church to another church to another church, I don't like the way he preaches. I don't like their music. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. It's because you don't want to submit to authority. Huh? Yeah, oh me's, not amens, right? Many people drop out of church completely because they can't control things. People, did you actually? Did you know people actually come to churches and they, they 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 search out a body where they think they can move in and have some control? I don't care what kind of spirit you want to call it, but a manipulating spirit. But they want to come in where they can control some things. And when they find out that they can't, guess what? They don't stay. We've had people come in here and say, "They, I've actually had people hand me a card and say, I'm apostle so and so." I said, "Really? That's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll be here and and." Uh, and they'll find out that I didn't cater down, bow down. Oh, you said apostle because it's on his card. You know, I, I want to get to know somebody. I want to see who they really are. I want them to see who I really am. So we just don't. Some people come here and they say, well, I'm gifted in this and plug me in here. And I say, OK, maybe in six months we'll see how God works this out. Because I don't know you, you don't know me. And it's not about offending them or being upset with them. It's just about being cautious about the body of Christ because I'm an overseer and I have this great responsibility. And so if you've ever been offended because I didn't jump all over your your ministry and say, come on, get on board, but it's because I don't know you yet. You don't know me. You don't know our elders yet. You don't know who we are. So when you come, we want you to start just start fellowshipping with us and let us find out about who you really are. Sometimes that takes time. Let me read this and then we'll close. Ephesians 4. Now this is Jesus, okay? This is Jesus. This is not Harold. And he, that's Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. We call that what? Five-fold ministry. If you're here today and you're from, from your background as a denomination, you probably think, what is a five-fold ministry? Some people call it a sick fold, but six, not sick, six fold because it includes the body as, as the ministry. I know uh, Robert Morris says that, which is OK. But we call we call it a five fold ministry. Now, many denominations have decided it's a three fold ministry. For some reason, they thought, well, those other three sound good, but we're not so sure about apostles and prophets. I used to be a part of those that denomin- or a denomination that believed that there was a threefold ministry. And because of people saying it's a threefold ministry, churches have now become pastor-led churches. It was never designed to be that way. The church has always been designed to be an elder-run or an, an, a governmental-run church, and that includes the five-fold ministry. Apostles, Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some people group pastor and teacher together. That's okay if you want to call it fourfold, if you just don't leave out the others. God designed this, not me. And for people to say, I'm going to go to Ephesians and rewrite it, that's ridiculous. 
That's error. When you go inside, decide, I'm going to take out a couple of things in the New Testament so it fits me better. So it fits our, so it fits our denomination better. That's, that's error. That's a spirit of error operating. It says he designed, he, des- he gave some to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And here's what he did it for, for the equipping of the saints. Guess who the saints are? If you know Jesus, you're a saint. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, listen to this, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Every day, every Sunday we preach, grow up, mature, wake up. That's what we're in the process of. All of us are in that process. I'm still in that process of growing and maturing because God wants us to grow up. He does not want us to stay kids and children forever. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by uh, with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But here it is, guys. Here's, the, here's where the rubber meets the road. But speaking the truth in love. Say, in love. See, your authority goes back. He said, I've created, I've designed, I've set apart, but it's all got to be about the love. Speaking the truth in love, they may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Listen, every one of us has, has a gift or more than one gift. Talked about this last week. And when we come together, we, the gifts come together. But there has to be an order to it. I've had people say, what do, you, what do you do when you have a word that you want to give to the church? Well, you come to one of the elders and you say, I've got a word. Can I speak this word? And the elder will, will listen to the word and the elder will go, okay, I believe that word is not for today. I believe that word may be something you need to hold on to and pray about. I've had people that have come up here to give words and we said, no, sit. You can't give a word. Don't be offended by that. Just say, I submit to authority. Just say, I submit to authority. Because they are and they have a responsibility to to know what they're supposed to do as elders and overseers of the church. Flip over to First Peter five. I'm going to end it with this. You know, when the pastor said like a while ago, I said that's the last thing. That wasn't the last thing. That's the that's the the Apostle Paul anointing. And suddenly and finally means nothing. Because when you don't have order in the church, listen, we don't have order in the church. You have a church that's divided. Anybody ever been a part of a church split? Raise your hand. Okay. You know what that issue was? It was authority. Could have been you involved in it. I don't know. Could have been. But when church is split, it's about authority. Somebody says, I don't believe him anymore. I don't trust him anymore. And it can, and it doesn't necessarily be about the people. It could be about the person in authority is abusing the authority could be a lot of things could be a lot of factors but it always centers around authority and how they're operating in authority or not see god's not a, he's god is a god of order not of chaos that's satan's job okay first peter five now this is the same man that says silver and gold have i none but what i do have i give you in the name of jesus rise up and walk this is the same guy first peter five the elders who are among you i exhort I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who entrusted you but being examples of the flock. As elders, as shepherds, we have a great responsibility. As life group pastors, you have a great responsibility. As ministry leaders, you have a great responsibility. As moms and dads, you have a great responsibility. Because God has entrusted people to us. And we are to love them and guide them and nourish them and and bring comfort to them when they need comfort. Bring correction when they need correction. That's when you receive correction from me. If it's not done in love, man, come talk to me. Because I always want to do it in love. You know how you know the best correction I've ever done as a pastor? You know what it is? Because, listen, in, in a congregation that's been growing like we've been growing, and this many people we have, and this, different pers- this many different personalities, sometimes there are conflicts, believe it or not. <laughs> and my first avenue 
when I hear of a conflict, you can ask anybody on our staff, is to pray and let the Holy Spirit work. You know what we sometimes want to do? We want to speak, and then we pray, God, get me out of this. I'm in a mess because I spoke, and I didn't speak in love. If we would just submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, and in his name say, Lord, you know what needs to be done here. Can you do this, Lord, without it bringing disruption and chaos and, and so that we can keep unity in the body? So many times he's so gracious. I mean, I just saw it last week. It's just beautiful. So many times you have issues in your lives. Pray before you talk. Pray. Because we have a great responsibility to be shepherds, to oversee the flock, to take care of the body that Christ has entrusted to us. So when I, when I come to you as a pastor... And, and you want to buck me and rebel against me, you know, that's on you. That's on you, unless I'm out of line. And if I'm out of line, call me out on it, okay? Because I want, I, I desire, just like Jesus, I desire us to walk as one, to be in unity. Don't y'all? I think that's why so many people come in here and you're smiling, you're laughing, even with the, all the crud going on in your life. You know that there's a joy and a peace here and there's a unity here. Okay? So would y'all stand? I believe in this. I, be, I believe the church in action has to operate under authority. I, I just do. Really do. Could I have a ministry team at the front? Because we're going to deal with something here this morning. Several people came forward this morning for help in, that area, in this area. And I believe it's a spirit. So I'm just kind of giving the ministry team a heads up. It's the spirit of rebellion. You know what the number one spirit of rebellion is? Denying Christ. That's numero uno. That's the, that's the one that will send you to hell. When you ultimately, your last breath, no God, no Christ, no Jesus, and you deny him. But it starts now. It starts in your life when you're defiant against Christ. And you say, no, I don't believe in that stuff. And God's been knocking on the door of your heart, and he's opening up. To this morning, I believe that there's going to be a, that wall is coming down a rebellion so you can receive Christ. Even Steve said he believes there are six, six or eight people here today that need Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. But there's been a wall of rebellion. You've just said no, no, no. And today you're going to say yes, yes, yes. That's the first. That's the first invitation. The second invitation is for those of you who are just operating in rebellion with the authority. And I don't know if it's in your home. I don't know if it's in the church. I don't know if it's in the government. I don't know if it's on your job. Maybe you're the guy that slanders your boss all the time. and You don't, you don't submit to him, and you think you know more than your boss, but he's paid the price to get to where he is, and you, you need to submit to him or quit the job. But don't, make, don't bring division in places. We're, 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 we're supposed to be peacemakers. We're supposed to be peacemakers wherever we're at. So gossip is a huge part of rebellion. We want to get everybody to think of the way we think about so-and-so. And God says, stop it. He lets gossip with all the worst sins that you can imagine. He lets gossip there. So if you've been operating, if there's a rebellious spirit in you today, and you've been operating you, today it's been exposed. Hallelujah. It's been exposed. And God is loving. He's so loving that he exposes those things in us that keep us from being everything he's called us to be. So bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here this morning, man, there's rebellion. You know that there's a spirit of rebellion. Even as uh, James and John, Jesus said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. You don't even know why you're bucking authority, but there's a spirit of rebellion on you. Just break the power of rebellion in your life today in Jesus' name. By the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, that you can hear the word and you can receive. You can receive healing in that area today where you're going to become a person that submits to authority. You submit to the name of Jesus. Maybe you're a dad here this morning or a wife here this morning and there's chaos in your home. There's division in your home. It's because of rebellion. It's because the authority has not been recognized. And today you would want to even come as a couple say, we need to get reordered in our home. We need to get on the same page in our home. And you would want that rebellion to go in Jesus' name. 
You wouldn't want to start over. God's the great do-over God. He'll give us do-overs and do-overs. He'll give you second and third and fourth chances. But it's time to get it right, church. It's time to get it right. So in Jesus' name, I just bless you to come out from under rebellion and come into submission today in Jesus' name. If you feel like you've got that spirit of rebellion that's been operating in your life, would you slip your hand up real quick with your eyes closed? Just slip your hand up real quick all over the place. I'm going to ask you to step out and come let somebody pray for you. This is the last day. No more that's going to be a part of your life. Just step out and come. We want to pray for you this morning. The ministry team will take you to the prayer rooms and pray over you and then come back, ministry team. If there are decisions that need to be uh, recorded, please record those decisions and, and let us know about those. Okay. Spirit of rebellion. May you just find yourself... Always mad at authority. Always disagreeing with authority. Today you're going to say, you know what? I need to to just bow to authority. Godly authority. I need to bow to it. Step out and come. Step out and come. Randy and Shauna, could you come and pray? People. Because I know there are others that raise your hands. and, And you're battling this right now. Maybe the ultimate rebellion is that you've just never given your life to Christ today you would say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Wow. Come into the kingdom today. We want to bless you to come into the kingdom today. Step out and come. We want to pray for you. Come on. And maybe you're like me. You just you find yourself getting mad at authority like I got mad about that ticket. Wasn't that ladies? All she was doing was her job. She had the authority to write me a ticket took me a little while but I submitted anybody else come on up we'll pray for you anybody else we'll pray for you this morning is there, is there chaos in your home if there's chaos in your home you ought to be down here right now if there's chaos in your home there's something out of whack in the authority area we want to pray for your home this morning we want to pray for your family Maybe your kids are already grown up and they're gone from home, but man, there's, some, there's, there's this issue that they still don't listen to you. They don't recognize who you are. Can we pray with you this morning? There's nothing more powerful than a church that's united and families that are united. Nothing more powerful than that. And we know who, who's who we are. life group pastors here? Any more life group pastors that can pray? This is a big deal. This is a serious, serious deal. Maybe you're a habitual speeder. I'm saying you do it just to defy authority. You say, man, I'm going to speed. Maybe you come with those radar detectors. You know what that says? I don't care what the speed limit is. I'm going to speed. Uh-oh. And he's stepping on some toes now. Ow! God honors our obedience. We honor him when we obey. Anybody else? We got Brandy up here can pray. Anybody else need prayer this morning? Maybe seated. Darling. Maybe seated. I want to share a couple of announcements with you this uh, before we dismiss. And I always want you to be mindful of people praying out on the outsides when you leave the, the, the sanctuary worship center. This Wednesday night we will not have any uh, services because it's the next night is the next day's camp. So we're sending almost 100 kids and workers to camp this year, and they're meeting at uh, Celebration Church. We go in with them, and they're going to meet at Celebration Church parking lot on Thursday morning. They're leaving at 1030, so they're going to gather there before that, of course. So Wednesday is going to be kind of a night off for everybody to help get their kids ready for camp. There's not going to be any child care here, so uh, don't come up here expecting there will be a class because there will not be any classes. The next Wednesday, though the 8th, 
is our, we're going to share our experience in Israel. So we want you to come and experience Israel as the eight of us from Freedom Fellowship experienced Israel a couple of weeks ago. And we've got some videos and pictures. But you're going to hear from our heart what God spoke to us while we were in, uh, in the Holy Land. I think you'll be blessed by that. That's on Wednesday night, June the 8th. And you'll get to see some, some of the sites and experience some videos. And you'll get to really uh, live that experience with us. And I think you'll be blessed by that. And then the next two Wednesdays after that are very important because we're into the summer. We're going to start teaching and we're going to start equipping. June, June the 15th and 22nd, Belinda Aycock will be leading Freedom Foundations. We encourage everybody that's ever been in this church, if you've never been through this class, it's a two-week class that you come for anybody, for leaders. I, I think our youth are even going to go through it this time with us. But it's an important teaching on, on really the legal, the legal, how we give the enemy legal access to our lives and how we uh, overcome that. So it's an important teaching for two weeks. And then in July, Ed Sutton's going to start teaching the basic. Uh, that's um, Bible application simplified in Christ. And that's going to be for the church, for us to go through an eight-week study uh, of the basics of Christianity. So we're encouraging everybody to get involved in that. Then we'll start life groups back up in the fall. So we've got a lot happening. Uh, and CJ uh, Lucky is going to come share what's going to take place with the youth. Uh, so many awesome things happening in, this, in the youth and the college and young adults. And uh, I'm, we're blessed that CJ and Samantha are, are, heading, are, are, are heading those things up and submitting to God and listening to his voice. But uh, this is going to be something we've never had in our church before that I think you'll really be interested in. So share with us. Let me see if my church family ready. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. That was good for the first time. Appreciate that, Joe. All right, the second time was always better. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. All right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Second time is always better. You guys, I want to tell you, um, we have a, a, a dinner theater coming up titled Suspect Hollywood, written by Nancy Bond. How many of you guys have been to a dinner theater? Okay, so several of you guys. Now, guys, I'm telling y'all, this is an exciting play. We have uh, a character named Huey who happens to be Donald Trump's nephew, Nephew or brother, right? Nephew, brother, Miss Jane? Okay. And we have a character also named Marriott, who she's the daughter of um, a man who runs a lot of hotels. Now, think about it. Marriott, Marriott, get it, Marriott. <laughs> and, uh, guys, I'm, th- this is going to be an exciting play. The youth is working really hard um, on, you know, learning their lines and movements. And I want to give a shout-out to Miss Jan, who's uh, directing the play. She's been really awesome. Uh, you guys can give her a round of applause. She's, she's awesome. Uh, this, this play is going to take place on the weekend of June 4th, guys. We have three performances. Uh, the first performance is, is Friday night. Uh, doors open at 6, and the, and the show starts at 7. And the, the second performance will be Saturday morning, and it starts at 11. It starts at, uh, I'm sorry, the doors open at 11, and the show starts at 12. And then we have another show that evening. Doors open at 6, and... Uh, the show starts at 7. The, the tickets are $15 per ticket or $25 per couple. You guys could use this as a date night. How many of you guys are in desperate need of a date night? I'm sure. I'm sure it may be some. Oh, come on now. I know. Yup, yup. <laughs> yeah, they didn't go over. Yeah, I'm sure, some, I'm sure some people in there de- desperate need. But, um, guys, this is, this is an awesome time just to get out and, and support the youth and, um, and just, just come out and experience something that, that's never been done before at the church. Is that correct, pastors? Never been done before. So we appreciate you guys. You guys come out. June, remember, June 24th and June 25th. Tickets will go on sale June 1st, and they will be in the, in the church office. And thank you guys so much for your love and support. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you.